0: Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. I'm going to share with you a story about a total lack of awareness. It actually just happened. I I, I guess I just saw it just a few minutes ago, but it happened um, last night. This is... I swear to you, if I had a bourbon in front of me, I'd be drinking it with you. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. What is going on, my good people? TonyKatz.com is where you find everything. The phone number, 833-GOT-TONY. 833-468-8669. I haven't heard from you in a while. Give a call. We'd love to hear from you. 833-GOT-TONY. Somebody decided on Twitter that what they should do, the right thing to do, ...is get into a fight. Because, you know, Twitter fights makes so much sense. But this person decided the thing to do would be to get into a fight with Chris Cuomo.
1: Oh, God!
0: I don't know why anybody would waste their time. I mean, I mean, you do you. You do you. So Chris Cuomo had, puts out a, a video that he's unpacking the Don Lemon and Tucker Carlson firings on the latest episode of the Chris Cuomo Project. Now, I guess that's a podcast of his. Everybody's got a podcast. Makes sense to me. What has never made sense to me is why News Nation hired him. Maybe they figured, you know what, he's got a name. Maybe it'll bring some curiosity, and that curiosity can be turned into uh, um, some some regular uh, users. Okay, I've done News Nation many many times uh, in 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 the past. Um but hiring him I thought was odd. And then when he was doing somebody else's podcast and he called it embarrassing to be on News Nation, why did you keep him? You insult everybody else who works there by claiming it's embarrassing to be there. Sean Compton should have fired him. Sean uh, he's he's the guy who runs uh News Nation should have fired him right on the spot. Goodbye. Embarrassed to be here? You don't need our million a year. Well, CNN, I was making $7 million a year. Yes, but you screwed the pooch at CNN. You lied to your audience, and you covered for your craptastic governor brother who was absolutely killing elderly people across New York during COVID. Don Lemon's going to... I mean, uh, Chris Cuomo's going to unpack the firing of Don Lemon uh, and, and, and Chris Cuomo. So this guy decides to respond by saying, you are state-run propaganda. Tucker was truth. Now, you, it doesn't even make any sense because Cuomo was discussing Don Lemon versus Tucker in the firings. He wasn't talking about himself. So the, the tweet from the guy who responded doesn't make any, any sense. And it does, not, not at all. Enter Chris Cuomo who responds to this dude he responds to the dude and says one of us worked at a place that will pay 787 million dollars for fronting propaganda the other is me i'm sorry you di- you didn't you didn't front propaganda Are you insane? You walked out of the basement. Look at me. I'm free from COVID. It was all staged. You have the fake Q-tip when you're dealing with uh, your brother and you worked aggressively to try and dissuade women from speaking out regarding the, the sexual impropriety of your brother. All while claiming he's a great guy. Are you nuts? This is your response? The lack of awareness here is, well, exactly what you would expect. But something about this works. Chris Cuomo will still have a job tonight. He'll still have a job on Monday. As for uh Tucker Carlson, I know he put out that 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 video um I was asked earlier today uh by my morning show producer what did I think of the video and I said the video is everything I expected it to be. He's teasing something he's talking about how right the people are to support him and how they're they're freedom fighters just like him It's exactly the video to put out What do I read take from it not much what do I, do I read much into it no it it, it is exactly what you you thought it would be. And I don't think anybody should read too much into it. When he comes out with his next thing, uh, we we will know. We will be told. And we'll go, hmm, that's interesting. And a couple million people will uh will absolutely buy in. And that much he knows. Well, millions of people watched this video. What is it? Beats the entire primetime lineup. High-level firing, people went to see the video. Of course. Just like if there's a car crash, people will slow down to see the carnage. That's not the story as of yet. The story will be when he does do whatever the thing is that he does. And it costs you $9.99 a month to get it. Will you pay it? Yes or no? And will a million people do it? Or two? Or five? That's the question. Millions and millions of views on a video does not translate to millions and millions of people who will spend the five or ten dollars a month. The question is, can he get them? And the answer is, he can get some for sure. Ten million? I don't know about that. Three million? Absolutely. That number, I believe, is absolutely. It's not the only crazy thing going on today. Did you know that the Democrats will not allow a debate? You've got Marianne Williamson who's running for president. You have RFK, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. who's running for president. They're both running for the Democratic nomination. They're both challenging Joe Biden. They won't allow debates. They have no primary debates planned. And people are saying, well, why not? Why shouldn't he have to debate? It's not that he won't show up to the debate. The Democrats don't even plan on putting together a debate. Oh, well, that's interesting. And when we say interesting, they are going to hide him in a closet again. A report came out that Biden works between 10 and 4. The truth is, you can't, I think it was Axios who was telling the story, you can't schedule a morning meeting with him, you can't schedule an evening meeting with him, and weekends are, are right out. He really does his work between 10 and 4. Yes, he's done some traveling, and certainly he did the trip to Kiev, but in the main, you can't, you can't find him. You can't grab him. You can't talk to him. And then there was the whole story of... Some eagle-eyed people noting that Joe Biden had a question that was going to be asked of him. Not the name of the reporter who he's supposed to call on, which we've seen a million times, because only certain reporters get to ask questions in the Biden world. But the actual question, this got brought up, I think it was the LA Times that noted this, this got brought up at a White House briefing with White House Secretary Cringe Jean-Pierre.
2: The LA Times said that their reporter did not submit any questions in advance of yesterday's press conference. So to people who saw that pocket card, can you explain how that ended up there and why
1: the president needed something like
2: that? So, just to, just to step back, and I'm actually glad you asked that question. Uh, clearly, I would let uh, uh, the the reporter for uh, Los Angeles Times speak for herself. Uh, it is entirely normal for a president to be briefed on reporters who will be asking questions at a press conference and issues that we expect they might ask about. Uh, it is not surprising that yesterday uh, we would anticipate questions that he did receive right on the visit. Uh, with uh, with the South Korean president, as the South Korean president was sitting standing to his to his right, or about 2024, that was uh, completely expected. Or about the debt ceiling, uh, which he took questions at the end, shouted questions at the end, and of course we would note those issues to him. Uh, uh, those those issues uh, to him will likely come up, and let's not forget, we do these briefings every day, and a lot of the questions that you that you all tell me, that's how we brief him as well. You all ask me, that's how we brief him
0: as well let's be clear there is a photo of joe biden holding on to a a note cards he's got a photo of the reporter the name of the reporter how to pronounce the reporter's last name the um outlet the reporter is from and it looks, and you can read, are you uh, squaring your something priorities like semiconductors? It's a question. It's a question. Here, um, Here is a note card that says, tough Q&A. If it doesn't... Happened on the note card, he's not sure what's going on around him. Here's a note card of all the people who are on the stage with him. And when giving the answer, Corinne Jean Pierre is reading from her little binder. So, um, look, we we do not have specific
2: questions in advance. That's not something that we do. And, in fact, I would point out the questions that was asked was different uh, than what was on the card that uh, you all saw. Um, And, look, uh, again, we have these press conferences. The president takes your questions. Uh, We always – our job is to get a sense of uh, what you all want to ask him. That is our job here, to get a sense of what's uh, the the, the news of the day.
0: Uh, That's not their job. Your job is to answer the questions that reporters have, not to get a sense of the questions they might have. Answer the questions that they have. That's not your job. And no, he doesn't take questions. He takes shouted questions. They're getting thrown out of the room every four seconds. But this is the fault of the White House Press Corps that has accepted this level of abuse from Joe Biden over and over and over again. And again, a lot of Americans have accepted the abuse, like, for example, from Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas. Let me be clear. Our border is not open
1: and will not be open after May 11th.
0: Not true. May 11th, uh, Title 42 will be done is is what I believe is going to happen. And yes, the border is open. And it doesn't matter because it gets treated like it's open. So what the hell are you talking about? You sound like a damn fool. You sound like a schmuck. Just so we understand each other. lot of just outright lying going on. But none as more personified as that from Dr. Anthony Fauci. If you haven't heard this, hold on. Keep it right here. I'm Tony Katz. So I'm scheduled on Fox tomorrow, and I know some people are going to yell at me. How could you go on Fox? They fired Tucker. What's wrong with you, you rhino squish? When CNN invites me on, I go, too. Your move. You know I used to do MSNBC on the regular, right? Also, this is a decade ago. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Uh, Contessa Brewer was lovely. Oh, we disagreed often. But she was the only person willing to talk. Really appreciated her. Oh, she she had her own issues. Don't get me wrong. We've all had our own issues. But she was not afraid. That's, that's what's key. She was not afraid. So, yeah, I'm scheduled to go on. And they, they sent me, hey, what are your thoughts on this? And. So now I got to send them notes. So that's tomorrow at 1:05. I think it's 1:05 p.m. I I am scheduled to be on. So for those of you who still watch, you'll see me, and if not, I'll tell you how it went. Uh, I uh, there there's absolutely uh, uh, and uh, going to be some level of effect to uh, viewership. Certainly, we've already seen it in that in that Tucker demo, you know, and then that time slot, I should say, but it'll affect everything in that. prime time lineup? Of, of course it will. How could it not? I mean, how could it not? And for the people who say you'll never replace Tucker, they said you'll never replace Bill O'Reilly too. So are you going to replace him? No, you're not going to replace that. You're going to have something different. Could it garner an audience? It's still Fox at 8 p.m. The answer is yes. Because Fox is still Fox. And for the people who would rather not have Fox... Can't say I'm with you there. Your life is not better if Fox is gone. That That's just factual. That's just factual. Fox should not have done many of the things that it did. I didn't see any reason why, why, why Fox should get rid of Tucker, but I don't get the feeling that it took much for Tucker to say, you know what, I'm done because 5 million people, $9, $9.99 a month, that's, uh, that's pretty good for Tucker. He might be able to survive on that. I don't know. I'll have, to, I'll have to check with him. We now bring it to Dr. Anthony Fauci, who is, well, completely and totally untrustworthy. Who wants you to believe, wants you to believe that he is not responsible for lockdowns and did not push lockdowns.
1: Well, that's true, Caitlin. But the point that I made in my response uh, to the reporter in the New York Times article was that what it is is that there was a personification of me as a person who essentially closed everything down. Those were public health recommendations that came from the CDC. And I...
0: It has been bothering me so much, this statement. Bothering me so much that I think it's important to hear him in his own words, and there's only one way to hear Dr. Fauci in his own words. So this starts with uh fauci on with neil cavuto and uh, the the music was not put in by me i think this was put in by tom over grabian and uh it's just precious
1: do you regret particularly the last one the shutdown the sweeping shutdown that some said made things worse No, I I don't, uh, Neil. And, in fact, I think we need to make sure that your listeners understand I didn't shut down anything. I recommended to the president that we shut the country down. And the only way to do that is by draconian means of essentially shutting down a country. We know that we can do that if we shut down. Well, I think one of the things you really need to do, to the extent that you can shut down mm. temporarily, mm. the country I think is important. Well, if I knew at the time that shutting down would have such a dramatic effect on controlling the spread, obviously we would have shut down earlier. There were those who say, you shut down you dis- destructive things by disrupting the economy. And others say, well, if you save so many infections by shutting down, Why didn't you shut down two weeks earlier? But I don't regret saying that the only way we could have really stopped the explosion of infection was by essentially, um, I want to say shutting down. I mean, essentially having the physical separation and the kinds of recommendations that we've made.
0: Precious. People caught just flat out lying. Fauci doesn't understand what an evil character he will be in history. He did this. He did this. We're questioning whether or not he did this. Stop it. You're going to question whether or not Fauci was responsible for shutting down society. It's embarrassing. It really is. I mean, that's just. That's just flat out Pathetic. I. this guy the hubris meanwhile I was at the southern border and while there's still a lot to gather and I need to make more trips because there's so much I I learned that I don't know and by the way no one is giving the full story one of those conversations is a humanitarian one let me start that breakdown and what I mean let me tell you a story that's coming up I'm Tony Katz Uh-oh. In discussing the border, the southern border specifically, there is this humanitarian conversation that keeps coming up over and over and again and again and again. And even while I was there for a short visit, this was the Rio Grande Valley sector, McAllen, Texas, is where I was. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, good to be with you. People were discussing the fact that 75% of their time is on the humanitarian issues. If that's true, of the time a border patrol is spent on humanitarian issues, Uh, that means only 25% is focused on apprehension. But I think there there needs to be a better definition and understanding of what in the world the humanitarian issues are. We know some of them. We know these basics. We know that people are brought over the border in some of the most horrific conditions possible. They're kept in these homes, these these one-room places, waiting for their transport. There's no air conditioning, there's barely a bathroom, there's barely any food, there's barely any water. The conditions are beyond horrific, beyond horrific. So there's a lot of health issues and then people are discarded. Literally human beings just left to die after being ill or being raped or whatever the case may be and think of how just glibly I just said that. I'm not trying to be I'm it's just that you you the, the 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 horror is beyond is beyond the comprehension that human beings can treat other human beings in this way, and we should be clear this is what's happening from the cartels. And the cartels is so much of this story. And actually, it's going to take its its time in in being told by me because there's a couple of things I want to understand before I really start getting into some some theory about that. I want to stick to this humanitarian side. Because I believe that there are, there are some some real, real problems in this argument and what I saw. So let me give you a little bit of, of what I saw. Because one of the places that I went to was uh, Catholic Charities. So understand that Border Patrol is set up for the apprehension side. It's not set up for what happens when there's such a backlog to uh, the asylum system. Because remember, everybody's lying. Everybody is lying. Everybody claims asylum because they're taught to claim asylum. The NGOs, the non-governmental organizations that believe in the, the, the destruction of the United States, for what other reason would they teach people to lie and claim asylum? Claim asylum. The system's so backlogged, it'll be three to five years before you see a judge and you get to live in the United States. Ain't that great? Oh, yeah. And they'll help you here and all they'll support you there. Oh, and we demand services for this group. and, And you hear all that screaming and yelling. Of course, it's a destructive force. We're not discussing the fact that there are real lives at stake here. We're discussing the honesty that it is absolutely a destructive force and destructive of the United States. It is whether it's Cloward Piven, and you want to discuss uh, overwhelming the systems from the inside so they're forced to change. We cannot survive this way. It's not that, that that America is weak. That's where I think there's a big problem, and and one of the things that kind of proved to me that that's a mistake. It's not that America's weak. It's that the system can only do what the system does. And if you want to blow up that system, you want to change what America is. Therefore, you're doing it purposefully. The strength has to be looking at the people who want to do that and saying no. You're not going to be able to claim asylum. You are an economic migrant. You want to be here for the money. Well, that's great and wonderful and good. We've got systems for that. It is not coming in illegally. It is not claiming asylum. The answer is no. We should also note that there are people who come in legally who also claim asylum, but we're. we're I don't want to, uh, you know, confuse the subject too much. These are not asylum seekers; these are economic migrants. And the people screaming asylum, asylum, asylum at every second of every day, especially on the U.S. side, whether they be members of Congress and the Squad or others, they are guilty of trying to destroy America from within. They're just wrong now. That's a hard thing to say in this subject. They're just wrong, but there is such a thing as just wrong. You don't solve the immigration conversation, specifically the illegal immigration conversation, by saying break the U.S. system. That's an irrational argument. But you don't pretend that some things aren't happening. This brings us back to the humanitarian subject. There I am, Catholic Charities. And yes, indeed, I saw fully grown Chinese nationals who were in the United States looking for a place to stay. Now, this, uh, where I was, this Catholic Charities doesn't take uh, single men. It takes families. That's what they do. So this was not a place for them. But as I, I described, the number of Chinese nationals coming across the border is a huge number. The number is massive especially right there in, in McAllen. In McAllen, Texas, the number of uh, Chinese nationals, 2,104. This year alone, that's how many they have stopped. 2,104 Chinese nationals. So we're clear, those are not humanitarian. No one's getting here from China on their own. There are plenty of people who need help in China on a humanitarian side. And if we were going to be humanitarians, maybe we should have stopped the Chinese from destroying the Hong Kongers. That could have been nice. That would have been nice. We didn't do it. So, yes, I did see them there. But we went inside and we got a a tour. And and I'll tell you, um, it, it felt awful didn't feel awful being there it felt awful kind of being this this tourist of what these people are dealing with the 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 facility wasn't full the facility had a few hundred people in it there have been times where they've had 1200 uh people in in the facility and you walk in and there's people in in chairs and there's there's families and there are kids and they're infants and their five year olds and their three year olds and they're fourteen year olds. Then you walk through another area where people are sleeping on the floor. And then you walk into like a cafeteria area where there are four meals a day served four meals a day. This is done through private charity, although there is some government grant assistance. Again, if Border Patrol is giving uh, grants to groups like this, it's because Border Patrol can't do some of these things that are needed. And if you argue, well, Tony, they're not needed, tell the charity that. Because these these are Catholics. These are Christians engaged in this work because as they see it, they have to take care of their fellow man. So let's not go after this group. They're doing exactly what we would expect Americans to do. And while many of the people I was with, I was with this this large group of people, uh, saw this as heartbreaking, I actually saw it as beautiful. Just beautiful that people thought we have to we have to help people in need that's our job we're not going to worry about the politics of it we're going to take care of the people who need the help and that 3 year old needs a shower needs to be fed and that's the end of the ball game and it is indeed incredible to witness but you take a look at all these people and you ask yourself how did they get here now, I bring this up in a conversation the humanitarian. I'm going to get to a, a, a point that I don't think most people are prepared for uh, in, in, in this. I saw this woman, and, I, and I, I, w- I would not talk to her. Some people were talking to people. I just, I just felt that gratuitous. I wanted to observe. I'll get to a conversation, a conversation maybe another time, maybe. This woman was beautiful, dark complexion. I don't know where she was from. She had with her two kids. Maybe one was three. Maybe one was one and a half. Maybe it was four and, and two. For forgive me, I'm I'm close. And she had come up to me to ask me if I spoke Spanish. And I said no. And I actually handed her off to former Congresswoman uh, Myra Flores, who was who was with us. And you can see her eyes, and they're welling up. And She's trying to compose. She's trying to get a thought out, and she's hearing information. She's she's 23 if she's a day. If If she was living in the United States, she'd be just out of college. She'd be somebody who, if you saw her on the street, you'd go, my gosh, look at her. You would just say, my gosh, look at her. This three-year-old, this one-year-old. She came from somewhere, right? She came from Guatemala, she came from El Salvador, she came from Venezuela, came from somewhere. And yes, they do refer to people from Venezuela as, as asylum seekers because of, of Maduro and other things. Follow me, though, on the rest of the conversation. And and I asked somebody, how did she get here? And always the answer is, well, the the, they she paid the cartels and came up. And by the way, paying the cartels means upwards of $20,000. And I said, wait a second. This woman had $20,000? Where'd she get the $20,000? But leave that to the side. Let's say she came from Colombia. Let's say that's where she came. I, I, I picked a nation. I picked a nation. Let's say... I was going from Colombia, and I was coming to McAllen, Texas. Let's say I was coming. Do you know how long that is? It's over 2,000 miles if you're flying. Through Panama, uh, through Nicaragua, Honduras, and Guatemala, into Mexico, along the Gulf to get to McAllen. Do you know how long that is? And she did that with a three-year-old and a one-year-old? I know women who can't handle a three-year-old and a one-year-old in Walmart. She did this? I'm sorry, I don't believe it. I don't believe it even possible. I believe she needs help now that she's here, but I don't believe it possible that she got here on her own. The only way someone gets from Medellin in Colombia, the only way that happens is if they are allowed to make that travel. I'll put forth to you that it is my belief that the humanitarian issue is one being forced upon the United States. Agreed, it's only one visit to the border. And it was only one hour in one spot. But while I, I don't believe, you know, I am changed, I find it cliche, oh, it changed me for forever. I looked at that woman in the eye. And I said, there's, n- there's no possible way she got here. Now, people are resilient and people are amazing and uh, everything is possible. I put forth to you that the humanitarian issue is being forced upon the United States as a way of trying to hurt the United States because the United States is a good and kind and decent place filled with good and kind and decent people, which is why Catholic Charities is there and a whole host of others. And I am saying that we as good, decent people should want to help the people who need help. But the humanitarian crisis conversation is one that forces us to look at what it is other nations are doing and why. Why would Colombia? Why would Panama? Why would Costa Rica and Nicaragua, Honduras, possibly El Salvador, Guatemala, etc.? Why would they be a part of this? And the answer is because they're getting some money along the way. Because there must be an economic advantage. Now, we have heard people describe the economic disadvantage. They're losing all their people. How in the world do you build a country with no people? You know what they call a leader with no followers? Just a guy taking a walk. So where is the money? And if $20,000 is what the cartels are getting, then maybe one has to wonder what the cartels are distributing to make it all worth everyone's while. Once you start playing around with this theory that I've just put forth to you, after one visit to the border, you start to realize that this thing is a little more difficult to grasp than maybe what we're hearing and what we're saying, that maybe there is more here than meets the eye. And maybe even my conversations, which I have had conversations and I still want to dig into about, maybe the answer is more investment in Central America to keep more people in Central America. Well, what is that investment compared to the investment possibly cartels are making? And if it's not the cartels that are making the investment uh, to these nations, hey, we're going to traffic this one, we're going to traffic this one, you're going to get a little piece. Okay, here we go. What exactly is happening in those nations that are of such horror that a woman takes her three-year-old and a one-year-old and says, we have to leave, walks out her front door, and then makes a left turn and starts walking? Picture it. Do it right now. Walk out your front door and just start walking. How far do you think you'll get before you need to take a rest? Now carry a three-year-old and a one-year-old with you. How did she do it? I'm not haunted by her. I'm haunted by that question. Because that question needs an answer. I, I admit that I am not yet complete in all my thoughts on the border from this visit, except for one. I need to go back and I need to learn more. And that is exactly my plan. But I will tell you, this screaming, we need to build a wall, we need a a tougher border enforcement. We don't even understand the problem. How the hell do we start screaming about what we need? More understanding of the problem is what I'm going for for the next uh, while here, people. Then we'll get into what we need. I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today. Donald Trump running for president in New Hampshire, and he's got a major announcement. I will be retiring the name Crooked from
1: Hillary Clinton and her moniker. And I'm going to give her a new name. I don't know, like maybe lovely Hillary or beautiful Hillary. But I'm going to retire the name Crooked so that we can use the name for Joe Biden because he'll be known from now on as Crooked Joe Biden.
0: This is Politics in 2023, everybody. Hey, Tony, why do you enjoy bourbon so much? I don't know. No real reason. Get ready for a slugfest. We're not just talking about Trump. Joe Biden has already told you that it's going to be a nasty, nasty election. Unity my butt. It's just going to be gross. Keep it here. This is Tony Katz today. Find everything at
1: TonyKatz.com.